Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We're all familiar with the New Orleans education revolution. We've gone from having a dysfunctional system that produced failing schools and poorly educated kids to world-leading collection of charter schools and kids with rising test scores. But what you might know less about is the revolution behind the revolution. Education entrepreneurs whose businesses have a whole new relationship to schools and teaching here in New Orleans and spreading nationwide. Matt Candler is the founder and CEO of 4.0 Schools, an incubator of new schools, startups, and startup communities, which, in their own words, equip entrepreneurial people to create new education, startup companies, and schools. Matt, welcome out to lunch. Thanks, Peter. Great to be here. Jonas Chartok is the CEO of Leading Educators, a New Orleans company that is growing across the country. Leading Educators finds and develops people who they describe as teacher leaders in an effort to, in their own words, provide students with teachers who will give them the opportunity to succeed in school and in life. Jonas, so welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks. Good to be here. All righty. Now, Jonas and Matt, I'm going to ask both of you to explain in more detail what it is each of your organizations do. But first, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about the landscape that you're operating in. It's unusual to hear terms like entrepreneurial and business model in regard to K through 12 education. Teaching elementary, middle, and high school has always seemed to be more of a calling than a job. The rewards of watching a child learn and grow uh, make up for the long hours and not so great pay. Most kids seem to meet one or two teachers along the way who really inspire them. And most teachers' connections to professional organizations typically haven't extended much beyond the union and the PTA. Something has obviously changed in the last few years that has given rise to a kind of parallel education industry that you're pioneering. You're not actually teaching kids yourselves and you're independent of state and local school systems. What exactly is it that's changed in education that's created a need for your organizations? Uh, I don't know which one wants to start first. Um, happy to jump in. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so Leading Educators was very much created based on a, a huge need within the education landscape. And that need came particularly here in, in New Orleans, but it's actually experienced all over the country. And that is essentially focused on the fact that when teachers start their careers, they often uh, go one of two directions. Either they fizzle out very early and they find that they need to head elsewhere uh, in order to find a sustainable career, or they find some traction in their work. And a lot of what we focus on is helping those teachers who want to stay for a longer period of time figure out how to do so. So why, uh, why do they fizzle out and what, what do you do in that yeah. link to get them to be lifers? Yeah, so a lot of teachers 
lack the support and development uh, with, when they get to the school. And so what we focus on is having each of, the, each of these teacher leaders, what we call them, these are people who are often in positions like grade level chair or department head or curriculum coach. They will focus on what, what management skills do I as a teacher leader need to learn in order to help this person stay in their career. If you think about, I mean, you focus so heavily on entrepreneurialism yeah. and, and the business sector. You think about uh, a company that has no plan around middle management development. Well, that's essentially what a lot of our education sector is. It, it, it is, a, it is a, a system that lacks real development for people who are in the middle. And gone are the days when a principal should be responsible for frontline managing 20, 30, 40 individual teachers. It's just not sustainable, and that's why people often leave. Wow. Now, now Matt, what, what have you experienced in all of this? And you're, you're on a different side of all this. What, what I think New Orleans provides... Um, for the country is an opportunity to say, what if we could restructure everything around three specific groups of human beings, the students themselves, their families, and their teachers? And so at the core of what Jonas and I are doing is saying, asking that question, how can we not focus on structural reform? And frankly, what, to answer your question, what's happened since the storm in the two years prior when the RSD, this recovery school district, legislation was passed is that mostly structural work to allow those three groups of human beings to be at the center of teacher and other folks decision making. And so now we've, we've got that opportunity. What can we do with that opportunity? For me is why I think Jonas and I are in the game and what I'm op optimistic about what the next decade might look like. Just a couple stats really quickly. One is across the country, and again this is true in New Orleans as well, that you actually have uh, students by the third and fourth, uh, by, the, by the fourth grade, uh, students by the fourth grade are already two and three grade levels behind their peers in more oh. affluent white communities. Okay, so that's that early on. So yes, right. very early on, and, and the disparity starts early. Second issue is there is a massive disproportion when it comes to when teachers and how teachers come to leave the profession. And so there is actually twice the turnover in urban schools that are serving children of color than their more affluent white peers. And so again. Uh, we've got this massive need to, to fix something in terms of uh, the services being applied. Now, tell me about the very beginning of doing, like you, you started more than 30 KIPP schools. Yes. What is that like? I mean, most of us just always assume the school was always there in our yeah, yeah. background. What, what is it like to start a school? That process starts in the living room of a family, right? It starts with walking through a neighborhood, typically a neighborhood that's experienced tremendous disruption and promises decade over decade over decade, we'll make your schools better, we promise, and under-delivering on that. And just sitting down in the living room with a simple piece of paper that says, as the principal, this is what I promise you, parents, grandparents. As a student, this is what I want you to promise me. And as a family, this is what you promise. And so the, the, the KIPP school begins with that triangle. And at what we call a commitment to excellence, still to this day, these are signed all over the country in KIPP schools. And that three, those three parties agree to start the school. And that's how you build a KIPP school. You know, if I was listening to the show, I'd think these are great ideas and I'm glad you're doing it. But really, where does the money come from? That's a good question. So for our work at 4.0, we are very fortunate to get foundations to support our work. And foundations, these are... Uh, local, national foundations, they include the Bill and Melinda Gates 
Foundation. People are here, uh, here on NPR all yeah, the time. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they support uh, the work on NPR. Um, the Walton Family Foundation, the, the family behind Walmart, those guys have been very Not big supporters. Not the family that all lived in that farmhouse in Iowa somewhere? Okay. Because they didn't look like they had Different, much money. Yeah, no, they did not. They were okay. very uh, they were very entrepreneurial. Though, the, the <laughs> they Waltons, were. Right? Right. Very close family. Yeah. But um, and, and, and increasingly, um, entrepreneurs, teachers pay to come to our, to our training. So we run a variety of workshops. The big point here is it's actually a lot cheaper to do innovation than we think, right? If you're thinking about the system, and we've got to fix, um, so Race to the Top is a classic yeah. example. This is a billion dollar program that we tried to use to make school better in the US. But 4.0 programs start with a $10 investment in your idea. Right, so if you think about how do you make the best $100 investment or the $10 or $1,000 investment, that's actually how we run our programming. And so for example, I, I'll go back to food, right? We, we're at Commander, so let's talk about right. food metaphors. But think about how the pop-up restaurant has changed the way we build new food solutions, the way we un innovate in food, right? This is a $1,000 at most investment in a new idea. Restaurants closed. You open it up for a meal and let an aspiring chef try their product out on their real human users. And then quickly, within a matter of hours, that entrepreneur gets immediate feedback on whether this is a concept worth following up on. Well, that's exactly what our three-day workshop that Essentials is all about. It's an $1,000 uh, effort to teach folks, and Jonas works with us on this. A lot of his folks participate. But that idea of we don't have to spend millions and millions of dollars on every solution. In fact, that's a problem. How can we spend, if with the same million dollars, I could put $1,000 bets together? And that would be a really exciting way to think about innovation. And then let me just ask both of you, if um, the established school systems, uh, do they view you as uh, a great help or do yeah. some of them that are kind of balking at, at these changes? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. It's actually the thing that brought me so specifically to this part of the work, which is that the idea that teachers should be leading sustainable, high-impact careers over the course of 30 years, 40 years, like that's actually something that is meaningful, not just to charter proponents or traditional district proponents or union or anti-union folks. This is something that at the core is about really helping teachers make their impact that they specifically want to make in order to be able to stay in this profession for a long period of time. And so this is kind of that, that unique purple unicorn, I suppose, of, of the education sector in the sense that it's really something that everybody can get behind, teacher quality. And when you talk about extending a career, um, a lot of times people, we see this at the college level too, people that are great in the classroom you know, aren't particularly good in other aspects, but, right. but that mainly because they, they probably don't have the training. That so it's training, but it's also selection based on competencies, on leadership okay. competencies. And so at Leading Educators, we've developed a, a teacher leadership competency framework that is, is, again, shouldn't be this revolutionary to a lot of the school districts and charter networks with, with which we work. But this is for the first time saying, like, here are the fundamentals that these people need to be able to bring in to a, a leadership position where they're going to help their colleagues get better at their work. Right now, you know, a, a teacher, in order to learn how to manage another adult, like, there's actually nothing out there. But we didn't invent management. Like, we didn't invent teaching managing up or running a meeting or facilitating a development session. Like, we didn't invent that stuff. We're just applying it in a way specifically targeted to these teachers who are, say, between three, years three and ten, who are really ready to help their colleagues get better at their work. Wow. Now, Matt Jonas, let me introduce you to our entrepreneur du jour. It's my favorite term, P.H. Fred. P.H. Fred is a teacher 
and college prep tutor. After many years of successfully preparing kids for the ACT, he's turned his preparation system into an app called the Fredgicator, which that is so awesome. PH Fred, welcome out to lunch. Well, welcome. Uh, th- thank you for welcoming me. Uh, <laughs> the three things I think are important in education are first, you have to get rid of the fear that kids have about school and testing and all that, and the fear that teachers have about Because a lot of teachers are told you need to meet certain standards by the end of the years. They teach towards a test they don't understand, et cetera, et cetera. And as a teacher, I was never taught how to teach a test. And as a student, you're never taught how to take a test. They tell you two things. Put your name on it, and if you're lucky, you get to fold it like an airplane. (laughs) Uh, The second thing is they bombard you with information. And from K through 12, you have so much information rammed into your brain. But the most important thing is the word that Jonas (laughs) mentioned is skill. So when I prepped students through the, all the years, I've been tutoring since I was 13, so I've been tutoring for 38 years. I've been teaching professionally since I was 22, so on and off. I usually quit after a while, burnt out or whatever, or the pay sucks. But usually <laughs> I step away from teaching, and usually students talk me into coming back to teach. And I always wanted to figure out what they learned from me, and they got confidence. Because I tell a kid, what's a test? It's a piece of paper. How many people are scared of paper? Unless there's a paper cut involved in some Tabasco sauce, I'm not frightened of the paper. (laughs) Secondly, what's on the paper? Ink. Unless there's an octopus, I'm not scared of ink. So suddenly they've like lightened up and they're chuckling and they go, well, paper, I can deal with that. And usually with a standardized test, you can take it more than once. So if you screw it up, try again, get back on the bicycle. Secondly, information. These courses that charge your kids $1,000, $2,000 and whatever to take a course they teach kids so much information on the act or the sat or the psat or the mcat or the lsat most of that information isn't on the test they're teaching these football players so to speak the history of the nfl and i'm teaching the red zone what they do in a 600 page book i do in 75 flashcards on your iphone in fact let's 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 talk about that page there's there are all kinds of ACT prep systems out there, and they right. cost anywhere between, I guess, hundreds and thousands of dollars. Yes, and mine costs $4.99. Right, that's what the Fredger, the Fredricator retails and for. And I've had kids jump 10 points. I've had kids go from a 16 to a 26. Had a kid go from a 22 to a 30. Had one girl went from a 28 at a not-so-good school to a 30. At a 28, she got into Rhodes. At a 30, she got a quarter-million-dollar scholarship. There's the million dollars you were mentioning, sir. Wow, these... And the thing is, the main thing is, whether it's public, private, Catholic, the main thing is giving the kid confidence. Secondly, giving them the right information to know for any test. You're giving them a study guide. And third is the skill. You've never been taught how to take a test. People don't know process of elimination. They don't know on the ACT, 20% of the questions are no change. If you're in class, you're marking your friend's paper. You tell them everything they got wrong. So after 12 years of doing that, you're looking for mistakes in everything. And, and so it's just those simple tips. The fact that there's one problem on the test, the answer's always five. And I'm, and I'm not making that up. The answer's always five. <laughs> An English class, the run-on sentence, is fixed with, with eight different ways. On the ACT, it's always a period in a capital letter. But, but I, once this again, this is worth four ninety nine. It's worth four ninety nine. I'm about to download it. Cha-ching! No, I mean, look, I, so much about what Fred's saying is is uh, the way I see the world. You know, when we started schools, our first law we passed in the country was in 1647 in Massachusetts, right. focused on. I was in that uh, class. <laughs> 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 um, you know, school was asked to do just a few things back then. It was at, at that stage. It was focused focused on white boys and biblical literacy, basic understanding of, of uh, what the church needed. And over the 
centuries, we've asked school to do more and more and more, but we haven't asked more people to inform that. And so PH has a compelling and proven way to do this particular job for students in this very important occasion in their life, in their path. And yet our system is essentially incapable of leveraging PH's expertise here. Mm -hmm. And so what, what I think is so exciting about the future of school is the lowering cost of technology for PH to build this and the lowering cost of folks to access it means the promise of hundreds of thousands of folks like PH one, they should get the encouragement to try that and ship it to the world and see what happens. And two, I think over time, our systems should adapt and school should mo look more like a platform that allows kids to access the best thing wherever they might be, right. as opposed to this fixed set of knowledge that we've given to one professional in our community that's static, and we assume that that's all we need for the generation ahead. And it's so dynamic and so much more responsive to this interaction between learner and who's the best person at the thing the student needs to learn right now on the planet. That, to me, is school and learning. Right. And yeah. that's what you're doing. And yeah. it's brilliant. And, and the cool yeah. thing is, I don't need to get hired by a school to be there all year. Right. Bingo. I'm it's working true. a total of 18 hours at McGee. I'm working a total of 18 hours at Country Day. And once I'm done doing that, I move on to another school. So just like your pop-up restaurant or pop-up school, right. I'm the pop-up teacher. I That's go right. do my thing, whatever it is, and move on. And, and if, yeah, yeah, you're the best in the world at that. Exactly. That you should be paid for that. And Matt, you, you know this, having seen so many entrepreneurs come through your programs, but I, I just get the sense that if you find that teacher who knows how to integrate something within a school or knows, knows how to take advantage of a product and disseminate it with their, with their colleagues, so you asked for advice, Peter. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would look for you know, teacher leaders, who obviously are the folks that, that we work with directly, who are actually being trained specifically on this idea of how do you take an idea and, and run an initiative within your school. So it's usage of the app. What is right. the app called? Oh, the Fredgicator. The Fredgicator app. So how do I get my colleagues to do this? They actually are developing those kinds of skills to be able to take that to their colleagues. So should, um, should he be selling teachers or how should, he, how should he get the word out, I guess? I would say going directly to teachers and getting them to use it, uh, and, experiment and I do, with it. And I have my, all, any student I work with, I give it to them. Right. I deduct whatever from their tutoring fee. And it's word of mouth is what's growing right sure. now. The yeah. fact that this girl got a quarter million dollar scholarship, next thing you know, her friends go, well, why can't I do that? Yeah. The word of, it's concentric circles initially, and then all of a sudden you're on a radio show with this fine young gentleman oh. here, and all of a sudden people all over hear about it because but, yeah, and, and you realize well I'm not trying to sell you a $1,500 course it's four dollars and ninety nine cents right. you spend more on your Starbucks coffee. Of course, this is a yeah, this is a powerful concept, right? The simple idea that PH started this with one of those three vertices in my triangle, right? The student, right? And then you can sell it to the parent. And those viral networks go oh, right. quickly. And then you sell to the teacher. We, some of our most successful startups have started this way. And then as they grow up into the school system and start to impact the system virally from the bottom up, not the top down, which is the way well, we've well, always done it. I tried the it. top down. I was with a software company for about five years. And we had Bob Livingston as our consultant. Up, and we were paying people out the sure. wazoo. But the thing is... Some of the product worked, some of the product didn't work, and that 12 months you talked about, sometimes it would become two or three years. Sure. And it was just a mess because it became such a bureaucracy. Who are we dealing with? Who are we selling to? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? That this time around, I'm going for the bottom up instead of the top down. And that's our most successful startups right. start and grow that way. 
we, we built a network of 42 schools that we call innovation network partners. And these are schools, some of them Jonas's teachers, who have said, we want to meet the, the next pH. Even when the app is still a clipboard of right. you know, <laughs> note cards and it's yeah. not coded yet because the, the excitement of being a part of creating a new solution is something so many teachers are so hungry for. Right. Because they've been so isolated from each other and from new ideas that well, I had a, something a, like that is, is really catching on now. Matt Candler, uh, Jonas Chartok, K-12 through education is getting more sophisticated and its relationship with entrepreneurship is opening up a world that is in the throes of being created right here in New Orleans. You two are pioneers of a new industry. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on Out to Lunch. You guys, guys are great. I learned a lot. I'm sure listeners learned a lot. Thanks for having us. PH Fred, I'm looking forward to keeping up with the progress of the Fredgicator. Thanks for being our entrepreneur du jour. Thank you, thank you. My guests at Out to Lunch today have been Matt Candler, founder and CEO of 4.0 Schools, Jonas Chartok, the CEO of Leading Educators, and PH Fred, the creator of the Fredgicator app. You can find out more about Matt's, Jonas's, and PH Fred's educational exploits by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Jennifer Brady is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's new record, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. And you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos of this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments.